Hey there, special educator. Before we dive into today's episode, I have something exciting to share with you. If you've ever struggled with writing impact statements for your IEPs, and let's be honest here, what special educator hasn't found themselves at some point staring at a blank box and a blinking cursor wondering what in the world to type? My free guide is just what you need to get those brain juices flowing. Introducing Impact Statement Mastery, your step-by-step guide to writing personalized IEPs. This free guide is designed to help you craft impactful, personalized statements with ease. You'll get expert tips and strategies, easy-to-follow formats, and real-life examples that bring theory to life. It's absolutely free and a must-have for every special education teacher and related service provider. To get your copy, just visit www.spedprepacademy.com slash impact statements, or check the link in the episode description. Now let's get started with today's episode. You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferber, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. I've mentioned it on the show the last few episodes, but I want to tell you about the impact the SPED Summit has made on someone that I know personally. One of the teachers I coach came into my office the other day and said that she had signed up for the SPED Summit, not even knowing that I was a presenter. And she said that she would never wish for someone else to struggle, but it really made her feel validated that someone like me, someone who has been in the field for quite a while and who she is learning directly from, had been in the same boat when it came to learning how to lead a team of paraprofessionals. And so today I thought that I would share my story with you so that it might resonate with you. You might be struggling with the same aspect of the job of not knowing how to be a boss to paraprofessionals. And maybe by hearing my story and the steps that I took to solve my own problem, it might help you as well. So when it comes to working with paraprofessionals, teaching assistants, classroom aides, whatever it is you call them, Most, if not all, special educators struggle with this aspect of the job at some point in their career. And it makes sense. We we went to college to work with children. We didn't go to college to work with adults. And so when we are put into a situation where we are having to supervise adults, it really stresses us out. Because all we want is for everyone to get along. We want everyone to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. We want everyone to be where they're supposed to be. We want the kids to be making progress. We want behaviors to be managed. And we want life to be good. And guess what? That is possible. But there might be some reasons that that might not be happening within your department. So today, I want to teach you how to move past that I don't know how to be a boss mentality so that you can run the department that you've always dreamed of having. So let me ask you a question. Which one of these resonates with you the most? Which one sounds like you? You feel overwhelmed at the thought of being a boss to anyone. You weren't trained for this role and you don't have any idea where to begin to get your staff to see you as their leader. You might be really young or really new to the profession and you might have some established staff who have been there a while and they are kind of set in their ways. And so you you really feel like you're going to be stepping on some toes if you start to try to be their leader. Or you currently have one or more paraprofessionals under your supervision who are just not playing nice with others and they're making your job way more difficult than it needs to be. 
Or it could be that you have a really good staff, but you want to learn how to grow and nurture those relationships that you've made and get some systems and procedures in place to build the team that you've always dreamed of having. Or maybe it's a little bit of all three, which is where I was not all that long ago. And I want you to know that I have been in your shoes. I support you in these struggles because I I understand what you're going through. There's no one who understands your pain points more than I do. And so I want to give you some some tools to help you become that amazing leader. So my story is, I started teaching at barely 22 years old, and my co-teacher, Mindy, was 23. We were fresh out of college, and to say that we were in over our heads was the understatement of the year. We we came into an established program where the two teachers that had retired um, had been there forever. And so this department was established. And there was one paraprofessional who worked in the department, and her name was Marla. And Marla had worked here for quite a while before we came on board. And she kind of just took Mindy and I under her wing, and she was patient with us. She was She helped us become organized. She taught us how to progress monitor. She taught us how to schedule. She taught us how to be firm but loving at the same time. She basically just finished raising these two young girls who had college degrees, but they had no clue what they were doing. And she helped us run our little department like a well-oiled machine. And after a few years, we thought, man, this job is just pretty easy. We're just pretty good at this job. Other people struggle. We're not struggling. And then the floor kind of fell out from under us. Marla moved. And of course, we keep in touch with her over 25 years later, but she left us with a dilemma. What do we do now? And so those next few years was just a revolving door of paraprofessionals. Our department grew to having three or four, maybe five at a time. And when I say that we had no clue how to manage and lead a team of adults, I'm not exaggerating. We were just, we were just little girls. And Marla had spoiled us. And throughout those early years, we dealt with things like a para drinking on the job, a para writing awful things about us in their journal, paras who wouldn't show up or call in. They weren't being where they were supposed to be. They were hiding out in bathrooms so that they didn't have to follow their schedule. They would hang out in the teacher's lounge and gossiping about us. We even had a para pay money to students as a bribe for being good. And we just... Mindy and I just thought that it was just so much easier to do things ourselves than to ask someone to help out or to to address those issues that we were having. And then our team grew to another teacher and more paraprofessionals. And with more people came more issues. We had paras arguing amongst themselves, blaming each other for this and that, not coming to work, not helping the kids. And we had some good staff, but they had the mentality that that's not on my schedule. That's not my responsibility. Therefore, I'm not doing that. And it was a nightmare and it caused me stress. It caused me many, many tears. It even caused some ulcers. I dreaded going to work every day and I was ready to quit the profession. I was ready to sit down and have that conversation with my administrators because I wasn't happy. And it wasn't because of the kids It wasn't because of the parents. It wasn't because of the workload or the paperwork. It wasn't because of the administration or the lack of of any supplies or materials that we had. It wasn't because of any of that. It was because of the paraprofessionals. 
No, let's strike that. It was not because of the paraprofessionals. It was because of me. And it took me a very long time, longer than I want to admit, to realize that there was only one common thread in all of this, Jennifer and Mindy. We weren't prepared to be bosses. We weren't prepared to lead. We weren't taught how to communicate with adults. And likely because it was so easy with Marla, we held the belief that managing a team, especially one made up of adults, should just come easily and naturally and effortlessly. And we assumed, like so many others in the field of special education, that the skills we had to teach students would seamlessly translate to leading a team of adults. And that wasn't the case. And the prevailing mindset was that since these were grown adults, there shouldn't be a need for explicit training on expectations or responsibilities. They should just know their job, know their role, and know what to do. But this mindset is what got us into trouble. While it was well-intentioned, it did prove to be a huge stumbling block as the challenges within the team escalated and escalated. The assumption that leadership skills are just going to organically emerge without putting some deliberate work into it prevented us from addressing those issues effectively, and it contributed to a sense of frustration and helplessness and burnout. And that pivotal realization that Mindy and I both had to have was understanding that leadership requires intentional cultivation and continuous learning. And that's what I want to get through to you today is that you can do this. Can't you imagine what it would feel like if you were able to change your mindset about being a boss and you were given the skills to effectively work with your staff? Well, this shift in mindset is a fundamental change in perspective and it's moving away from the notion of simply being a boss and instead moving into the role of a leader. I don't want to be a boss to anyone. I hate that word. I The connotation that goes with it is being bossy. And although I am pretty bossy with my husband, I, I'm not bossy with anyone else and I don't want to be. And so we look at those distinctions between a boss and a leader and they're pretty profound. A boss relies on authority and hierarchy, like I'm higher up the ranks than you are, so therefore you're going to do what I tell you to do. Bosses expect compliance based on that power. And bosses give orders and directives, and they don't really care about collaboration. And they focus solely on outcomes and tasks, and they overlook the well-being and the professional growth of the team. Whereas a leader operates from a place of influence that is earned through respect and inspiration and commitment to shared goals. A leader actively engages in effective communication, and they listen to concerns, and they're able to promote an open exchange of ideas. A leader isn't about issuing commands, but about creating an environment where everyone's voice is heard and valued. And a leader is truly invested in the mentorship and the development of each individual team member. And so by prioritizing the support, guidance, and continuous learning, leaders can inspire a sense of purpose and dedication among those that they lead. So in essence, this transformation from boss to leader represents a shift from top-down, authoritative approach to a collaborative, inspirational approach. It's more about just having a title. It's about actively embodying the principles of leadership that nurture a positive and thriving educational environment. And so 
by adopting this mindset, you have to acknowledge the fact that you might not have gone to school to be a managerial position. But by accepting the position of a special educator, by signing on that dotted line, by accepting that paycheck, the nature of the job inherently places you in a position of leadership within that classroom. And it tasks you with making a commitment to continuously improve that classroom for the benefit of the adults who work in it, for the students who learn in it, and just as importantly, you. Your stress will decrease. Your communication skills will increase. Ultimately, you will create a more harmonious and effective working environment. So in order to enhance your leadership abilities and adopt this CEO mindset, I have three essential tips that I want you to internalize and to start using. First is to establish standard operating procedures or systems and routines. Every company, every agency, every district, every school has systems and routines in place that are called standard operating procedures. This is how we do business. And we naturally, as teachers, we naturally create these structures for our students. But we often overlook doing doing the same thing for our paras. We need to recognize that our paras usually lack the intensive training of a certified special educator. And you need to be intentional about teaching them the reasons behind your systems and your procedures to set them up for success. The second tip is to clearly communicate. Expressing your expectations explicitly is crucial because as much as you wish that they could, your staff cannot read your mind. Lay it all out there. Humans make mistakes and therefore constant reminders of these expectations is also necessary. Effective communication involves various methods to ensure that your expectations are understood and remembered. And then lastly, being a CEO teacher involves consistent evaluation and adjustment. You're not going to take a position as a teacher and not and expect to not have a an administrator come into your classroom and observe you and watch you and give you feedback. Monitoring this performance for your paraprofessionals is vital for the success of your department. You're able to know when to assist, when to teach, when to correct. You use this approach with your students when you're your progress monitoring and you you see if a child is struggling, then you're going to monitor and adjust, monitor and adjust. You need to be using the same approach with your staff. Observe them in action, encourage self-reflection, and conduct regular performance reviews. Now, this isn't going to be some intense um, evaluation. You're going to, it's going to be very casual. It's going to be very uh, informal, but you're going to want to make sure that you are consistently evaluating and making adjustments. And so by embracing this mindset shift and implementing these tips, tip one, establish your standard operating procedures. Tip two, clearly communicate. And tip three is to consistently evaluate and adjust. By implementing these tips, you will be well prepared to become the leader that your staff needs for a more smoothly run and successful special education department. Next week, I want to continue this conversation because now that we've done the work to get our mindset right, I want to give you some actual strategies of how to begin the work of being a CEO teacher. Thank you so much for sticking with me today. I hope you learned something. Remember, it's not too late to sign up for the SPED Summit. Just go to spedsummit.com and sign up. It The sessions are open until February 14th. So make sure you do that. Talk to you next week. 
Thanks for sticking with me until the end. I can tell that you are just as dedicated to the field of special education as I am. If you liked what you heard today, I'd love it if you'd head over to spadprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day and I'll catch you on the next episode.